Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Now, God has been speaking to us about spacious place. This is the secret place where we draw aside from the world and have fellowship with our Heavenly Father, with the Lord Jesus in the power of the Spirit. The secret place we've seen is also the heavenly place of his heavenly presence here on earth. It is the Holy of Holies. It is where we are by God's mercy and grace in Christ Jesus. Now, we've seen that we need just one minute to enter into that place being washed afresh with the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from everything that would not belong in the holy place, casting all our burdens on him so that we can focus on him and fellowship with him, not, being, not focusing on ourselves and our circumstances, but on unity with him. And we've seen that this is how Jesus functioned when he was on earth. He knew that the key to the success of his ministry was his times of fellowship that he had with the Lord when he drew aside to be with his Father. Now, we are completely dependent upon all that God has done for us through the shedding of his blood to be able for us to enter into that spacious place to live in Christ Jesus, so on. So why, why did Jesus die for you? Why did he shed his blood for you? What was actually in the heart of God when he sent his son to do this? Now, many people would say, well, he wanted to save us from sin, from Satan, from sickness, and so on. All that is true, but that's just saving us from the negative things that are a hindrance to his purpose. But what was his positive divine purpose in Jesus dying for you? The answer scripturally to that is to make you holy. This is the priority that God has in your life. He has, in fact, made you holy, called you to live in a holy relationship with him, with him as your holiness, And he knows that whatever fruitfulness is going to come out of your life will come out of that holy relationship, that holy unity that you have with him. There's no revival without holiness. Holiness isn't revival, but there's no revival without holiness. There isn't the the harvest, the multiplication, the abundance that God wants in our lives without that. Now, Peter understood that very well, and he understood that God has actually provided everything we need for us to be able to not only be holy, but to live in a relationship of holiness with the Lord. He repeats the Old Testament command, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. But he also says in his second letter, chapter 1, verse 3, a verse that we often quote here, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises 
so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So you can see the importance of drawing aside from the world in order to have that fellowship with God in his holiness, actually in his glory as well, that what we're actually doing uh, in the secret place, in the spacious place, is participating in the divine nature. And God is essentially holy. That is his nature. So the question we want to face this morning is, well, what really is holiness? It's a word that evokes fear in some believers because they think that holiness is something beyond them instead of understanding that holiness is something within them that God has actually put his holiness within you. Christ is in you and he is our holiness. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness within you. So God has made you holy, otherwise you couldn't be in the spacious place. God has actually put his holiness in you. Now, you can't feel it, you can't touch it. But if something is within us, we need to know what that is to understand it and how that holiness is to function in our lives. Holiness is really like a beautifully cut diamond. If you know anything about uh, the cutting of diamonds, it is, they are usually cut with several different faces. Each one reflects the light. It doesn't matter which way you turn the diamond, whichever face will reflect the light. So holiness is like a many-faceted diamond and each characteristic of holiness reflects the light of God, reflects the light of the presence of Jesus. Now, of course, what God intends is that we desire to be holy as he is holy, that we really want our lives to be like those beautifully cut diamonds where every facet, every face of that, of that diamond reflects the light and the glory of God. So let's be intensely practical because I don't think Jesus had any time for spiritual theory. He was concerned to live the life of the kingdom, to live the holy life, to live in a way that glorified his Father not just to talk about it. So we're going to see some of those many different facets of this diamond and how they are all to work together to actually reveal more of Jesus. You could say that to live a holy life is to live the Jesus life. He lived the Jesus life. Obviously, he lived the life that God wanted him to live, which is why he could become the sacrifice that covered all the negative things in our lives that are not the will of God. So let's see what holiness was in the life of Jesus and therefore is to be in our lives, remembering that we cannot create this holiness that Jesus is our holiness, the Spirit of God within us is the Spirit of holiness, so it's a question of allowing the one who is in us to be reflected through our lives. And because he is the light, then each characteristic will reflect the light of God in the darkness of the world. Because, of course, 
what happens in the secret place is then taken out into the world, as we were seeing last week, so that we have impact on the darkness, on the spiritual darkness of the world. First of all, holiness is joy. You might think that's a funny place to start, but it was the anointing of the oil of joy that was upon Jesus that raised him above companions. In other words, what marked Jesus off from everybody else was that he was more joyful. Why was he more joyful? Because he was living the holy life, the perfectly holy life. So there's no holiness without joy. And when we're walking in that holiness, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is radiating out of our lives, no matter what the circumstances. And I believe, you see, when Jesus drew aside to be with the Father, as he did regularly in prayer, he had this great experience, probably, I think, think we can use that word, of joy in meeting with his Father. I believe Jesus would always have looked forward to his times of prayer because of the joy that would be released into his life. When he was in his ministry, as we saw the other day, there was constant rejection, persecution, hatred, bitterness, people even wanting to destroy him and, and try to end his ministry. But in the secret place with his father, he could just know that joy. So holiness is not something, you know, it's not long dresses and long faces to go with them. Uh, it, it's not a restrictive thing. Holiness is not restrictive. Holiness is positive. Even, even if you could remove every negative in your life, you still would not be holy. Because holiness is the positive life of God. It's not just the absence of the negative. It's not just the absence of sin. That doesn't make you holy. The blood cleanses you, but then you need the spirit of holiness to actually create the holiness of God within you. Are you all at the same meeting that I'm at? Okay. So holiness is first and foremost joy. Now... Most people think of holiness as being purity. Well, purity is one aspect of holiness, but it is only one of several of those facets on the diamond. Now, purity is positive. Purity is not simply the removing of everything impure. The removing of everything impure doesn't make you pure. Can you see that? It just stops you being impure. But purity is the essence of God in your life, in my life. In other words, purity is really that which pleases God, that which reveals him because he is pure. So we are to be pure as he is pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And this helps us to understand that all these qualities of holiness have to be qualities in the heart. That what God has done in giving us new life is giving us a new spirit and putting a new heart within us. That heart is a holy heart. So God has given you a holy heart. He's put the Holy One within you. He's given you the anointing of the Holy One that teaches you all things, John says in his epistle. So we've got everything going for us. So this positive purity of heart which rejects whatever is impure. You see, the more the purity of heart takes a grip on your heart, the more disinclined you are to allow anything impure
to touch your life. You would take the shield of faith against the impure thoughts, the impure desires, the uh, whatever else. You say no to impurity because of the purity that is in your heart. Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, David prayed after he sinned grievously against the Lord. He realized that his real problem was a heart problem. And he needed that purity of heart, that clean heart to be restored to him so that in future he would not fall into the same temptation and sin uh, that he had been guilty of. So purity is an aspect of holiness, but as we shall see, it is only one aspect. Now, God is holy, but God is also love. Holiness and love are like two sides of a coin. Look at one side, you can see what is holy. Look at the other side, you see love. This is not the love that the world longs for. It's not emotional love as we know. This is the love of God. This is the love that seeks the welfare of the one who is loved, of the object. It's a selfless love. And the selflessness of that love is demonstrated by Jesus being prepared to go to the cross. So... We live a life of joy. We seek that purity of heart that will reject what is impure. But we also need hearts of love. Love for God, love for one another, love for our neighbor, love for those who are lost in the world. We're told not to love the world, but to love those that are in the world. Amen? We don't love worldliness. We don't love the values of the world, but we love the people in the world because we are called to reach them with the truth of the gospel. So <clears throat> holiness is joy. Holiness is purity. But holiness is love, a pure love. The scripture says that we are to love one another with pure hearts. We're to love one another fervently, it says, with pure hearts, a purity of love. But if you love people with the love of God, you're concerned about their welfare. You're not concerned about what you receive back from them. So often we are called to love those who do not respond to us, who do not return love to us. But our love still goes out to them because this is not like human love, which always requires, always desires something reciprocal, something to be returned, but it's love that is absolutely selfless. You love because you love. And that's the nature of God's love. He loves because he loves. And even, even when you're not in a good place with God, even if you're living in some area of disobedience with God, that will not stop his love. Nothing in the whole of creation can separate us from the love of God. So that's the nature of the love that is put in you by the Holy Spirit, according to the scripture. So holiness is joy and, and uh, purity and love. It is also, of course, faith. Holiness is expressed in faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And as holiness is what pleases the Lord, why, he, why Jesus died on the cross, then faith is an aspect of holiness. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith because he himself lived by faith. As we know, he says that he couldn't do anything himself. He was dependent upon the Father working through him to perform the miracles and the healings and so on. He was dependent upon the Lord giving him the words to speak. He lived in that faith dependence upon the Father. And of course, he was regularly saying to other people, according to your faith, it will be done to you. 
So unbelief is really unholiness, whereas faith is an aspect of holiness. It's one of those facets of the diamond that reflect the light of God, and you see faith in action. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not something you have within you. Faith is something you say. Faith is something you do, because holiness is intensely practical. You see, all these things are practical. They're not just a state of heart or state of mind. They are things that are expressed in the practical outworking of our lives. So holiness is joy and purity and love and faith, but is also wisdom. Not human wisdom, but the wisdom that comes from above, which is pure. Jesus was infinitely wise. You see, as you read the Gospels, the wisdom with which he always acted. And the wisdom when he knew not to go up to Jerusalem, as well as when to go to Jerusalem, just as an example. But God has put the spirit of wisdom within you. Now, if you're on it this morning, you will already realize that the Holy Spirit within you is the spirit of joy. He's the spirit of purity. He is the spirit of love. He is the spirit of faith. So you don't have to create any of these characteristics. They are already in you. They are already in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. So we're simply talking about the characteristics of the Spirit that God has given to you. In Scripture, sin is foolishness. Therefore, to walk in the ways of the Lord is wisdom. It's wisdom to live to please the Lord because you benefit God is glorified, but others also benefit because whatever God desires to do through you actually takes place and you bear the fruit that gives him glory. Are you still with me? So this isn't a list of things to aspire to. This is what is in you. This is what is waiting to be expressed in your life. Then, of course, holiness is righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Righteousness is, again, not just a state of heart or mind. It is what we do. We live in righteousness. We do that which is right, which is pleasing in the eyes of God. And again, we can't do that in our own strength. We can't do that by depending upon ourselves, but only by depending upon the anointing of the Holy Spirit within us. So when Peter says that by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, he's saying, well, God has given us all these qualities. He has already given, not he will give, not he needs to give, not that we need to have them, but God has already put these qualities within us by the power of his spirit. So obviously we don't want to give in to things that are a contradiction to these qualities because that's what causes conflict within us. But the more we are submitted to him, then the more all these qualities are expressed in our lives. Then, of course, holiness is also freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Holy Spirit of the Holy God is, there is freedom. Freedom from everything that is counterproductive to his will and purpose. Freedom from all the negative things that the enemy would want to see expressed in our lives. 
but it's freedom, essentially, to do the will of God. We are set free, we are equipped, we are enabled to fulfill the call of God upon our lives because of the gift of his Holy Spirit, of the spirit of holiness that is within us. So then, <clears throat> in addition to the freedom there is the peace of God. See, freedom comes with that sense of total well-being which is expressed in his peace. He is the God of all peace. So Jesus' parting gift to the disciples was his peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And when he met with them in his risen body, he greeted them with peace be with you. That was not just shalom, a greeting. It was an impartation of peace because at that moment they were actually locked away for fear of what the Jewish authorities would do to them. Would they be the next ones to be crucified because they were his disciples? So in place of that fear, Jesus comes and imparts peace. Fear has no place in holiness except the fear of the Lord. I can remember one day the Lord saying to my wife, if the fear of the Lord is operating in your life, you will need to fear no one else. That for her was an important revelation at the time. And uh, it's true, it's a true uh, principle for all of us. The fear of the Lord actually brings us into freedom from all other fear and enables us to enjoy the peace of God. So you can see what a multifaceted uh, diamond this Holiness is, but holiness is also power. So you see in Jesus the power of God. You see the power of God in a supreme way. Jesus did things that other people don't do. I mean, God can use anybody to heal, but Jesus had 100% success. Uh, Jesus did things... Uh, perform miracles that are beyond the ability of any of us unless God decides by his mercy and grace to do something extraordinary through us. But we see how the power of God was constantly being expressed in the life of Jesus. And indeed, when we read the book of Revelation, we see the worship that goes on in heaven ascribes all power belonging to the Lamb of God who sits on the throne. All power belongs to God. And so Jesus promised the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Spirit of holiness is going to come upon you, and when the Spirit of holiness comes upon you, his power will come upon you. His power will fill your life. So we see in the early chapters of the Acts of the Apostles how that power was being evidenced in their lives, in the life of of the early church. And of course, how God wants that power to be operating in our lives today. And then we'll just add one more of these qualities of holiness. And that is God's glory. Remember when Jesus was um, praying for all those who would become believers in the future through the testimony of the apostles as he prayed in the high priestly prayer in John 17, he said, I have given them the glory that you gave me. How, how does God give us the glory? Through the spirit of glory. The scripture says, Peter says, that the spirit of God and of his glory rests upon us. So, we have the glory of God within us, so the glory of God can be 
reflected through our lives, the light of his glory. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That glory will produce works that glorify the Father and will lead to others glorifying him as a result. Now, we could probably add other things, but I believe these are the chief, the principal aspects of the holiness of God. And you look at all those qualities, joy, purity, love, faith, wisdom, righteousness, freedom, peace, power, and glory, and you lack none of them. You lack none of them. God put every one of those qualities within you. Now, that truth can be concealed instead of revealed. These qualities are what God wants to see revealed in us. And the more they are revealed in us, the more we are transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Are we there? So the secret, actually, to walking in holiness with the Lord is to accept, to believe you are holy. You have been sanctified. Scripture is clear. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Now, you might be aware that there is need of improvement in being holy. But you see, what you have to accept is that you've been made holy. You can only be holy if you believe you've been made holy. Otherwise, you'd be condemning yourself to trying to be what in the natural you can never be. That holiness is, is expressing the presence, the life, and the power of God within you. Now, <clears throat> the reason why God does a work of so much preparation in the hearts of people before revival, harvest, multiplication, abundance really breaks free is because his desire is to see all these qualities being reflected. If you like, all those qualities put together will produce the fruit that God wants to see in our lives. He knows that. And he knows that he can't wait until all these qualities are being perfectly reflected in our lives. Otherwise, there would never be anything happening uh, because none of these qualities are reflected perfectly in the life of any uh, man or woman of God. No matter how holy they may appear to be or think they are, only in Jesus has all, have all these qualities been expressed in a perfect way. So God knows that in the limitations of our humanity, of our human flesh, we do not express perfectly the holiness of the one who lives within us. He knows that. However, what he desires is for us to desire that more and more of these qualities of his life are reflected in us. So this is a matter of heart attitude. You see... <clears throat> What does God want to do in the lives of those who at present are lost, don't belong to God's kingdom? What does he want to do? Bring them into the kingdom? Well, yes. Save them from a crisis eternity? Yes. But you see, he wants them to be holy. Jesus died to make you holy. Jesus died to make every man, woman, and child living on planet Earth holy because he is holy, and only the holy can be in heaven. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord, Scripture says. It would be impossible 
for you to go to heaven if you hadn't been made holy. You read the book of Revelation and you see that all the host of heaven are holy. Whether they're angels, whether they're the creatures around the throne, the elders, or the company of saints, the multitude of saints that are praising him. They're all holy because you can't have anything unholy in heaven. So God wants our hearts to be those that truly desire that holiness. And yeah, you'll get miffed with yourself sometimes when you have entertained or allowed something that is not holy, something that is not godly, something that is not going to honor and glorify the Lord. But praise God we have that blood and we have the one minute that deals with all that to make us absolutely holy, perfect in God's sight so we can enter into the spacious place and be one with him in fellowship. So we're completely dependent upon that blood to be able to have fellowship with the Holy One. In the Old Testament lecture yesterday with the first years, we saw a fundamental truth. There's no time for me to go through all the scriptures now that we went through yesterday. But the fundamental truth of the Old Testament that God is so holy, he is totally unapproachable. That nobody except for Moses was allowed to approach God or go near God or go into the presence of God or to meet with God. He is so holy. That even when the holiness of God was established in the tabernacle and later in the temple, the holiness of God in the holy of holies, nobody was allowed to enter there except the high priest, and then only once a year, because God was too holy to approach. God's holiness was signified by the Ark of the Covenant. But if anybody touched the Ark of the Covenant, they would die, because God is so holy. Nobody, nobody could go anywhere near God. Nobody was allowed to even touch or place a foot on the holy mountain, except Moses and others when God called them up. You see, this... This demonstrates what the holiness of God is really like. How, how absolutely, totally, completely holy, unapproachable by sinful man. Totally, totally different from us in our humanity. Just as, you know, we've, we've seen that when people rebelled against the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed them, the fire came down from heaven and burnt them up. <clears throat> Why? Because that's what rebellion deserves. So we see in the Old Testament what men deserve, but everything is radically changed in the New Testament. And you see the, the prophetic scriptures that pointed to what God would do under the New Covenant was that I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and you will all know me. You will know my voice. That what God has done through the blood of Jesus, through his mercy, through his grace, is made the unapproachable God approachable. That we can not only enter into the Holy of Holies, but we are encouraged to do so to enter into the Holy of Holies with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith. What's the full assurance of faith? That we have the holiness of God within us. And because we have the holiness of God within us, we can meet with the Holy God. This is the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. But you see, most people do not value or see the value of holiness because they don't understand the Old Testament truths that God is so holy that actually... He is unapproachable if he was to deal with us as we deserve. He would have nothing to do with us if it wasn't for his mercy and his grace. But it's through his mercy and his grace that he, in his holiness, has not only made himself accessible and available to us, but he makes us like himself. 
he must have, and all the way through the prophetic scriptures of the Old Testament, God is seeking to create for himself a holy people, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Kingdom of priests, those who live to sacrifice their lives for God, a holy nation, a holy people. And the promise of God is the nations will know that I am the Lord when I show myself holy through you. See, that's why there's no revival without holiness. That when the holiness of God comes upon his people in the way that he desires, then the world is impacted in a way that it's not impacted without the expression of that holiness. I've seen that, as you know, we had in the history of kingdom faith, a revival of God's holiness that was absolutely awesome. But we were seeing, often we were seeing a thousand people come to the Lord in a week, in a week's mission. We were seeing hundreds saved, meeting after meeting after meeting because of the holiness of God that was upon us. Now that's God. It wasn't anything we did. It was what God did to us. So I know what it is to live in that holiness that only God himself can create. It's not the kind of holiness that's associated with the holiness movement where people are usually very legalistic. It's not like that at all. There's no legalism in holiness, let me tell you that. Absolutely none, zero. But people don't do what is unholy because they have no desire to do what is unholy because of the way the holiness of God has impacted their hearts and lives. Well, I believe God will do something of that nature amongst us again. Not probably in the same way that he did it before, but it will be part of the total purpose of God in moving us into the harvest and the abundance and the multiplication that is his will for us as his people. So, <clears throat> I want you to be liberated from any thought that you can try to be like that. Forget it. You can't be. Doesn't matter how hard you try, the more you try, the more trying you will be. It's only what God himself can create within us. His divine power that has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So what should our prayer be? Lord, work, work all this in me. I want to reflect every facet of this diamond of your holiness in my life. I can't do it. Only you can work it in me. All God wants and needs are people that are available to him. Amen. You see, when you look at all those things, you're actually looking at Jesus. On the board is Jesus. That's the life he lived. Nothing negative there. That's the life of Jesus. Of the Jesus that has come to live in you. Of the spirit of holiness that God has imparted to you. Holiness does not happen by trying not to be unholy. Hello? It's the holiness of God that takes away any desire to be unholy. That is one, I think, 
of the most miraculous things that God can work in us when he actually changes our desires. So we no longer have desires that are focused on self, but all of our desires are focused on him and what he desires. If you're not in that place yet, don't worry. Because worrying isn't going to get you into that place. (laughs) But what is, is a surrendered heart. Because, you see, these are all heart issues. So we're all really a bit like David, creating me a clean heart of God, renew a right spirit within me. And of course he does that by the power of his blood, cleansing out all the negatives. But then he has by the power of his spirit, imparted all the positives. So, how do we proceed? With faith. Always with faith. In other words, you begin to thank God that he has made you holy. You thank him that his joy is within you. His purity of heart is within you. Because he's given you a new heart that's a pure heart. His purity of heart is within you. His love is within you. His faith, his faith is within you. Not your faith, his faith is within you. His wisdom, his righteousness, his freedom, his peace, his power, his glory, they are all within you. You don't have to pray, Lord, give me your joy. Lord, give me your power. Lord, give me your wisdom. He says, no, you haven't. Now begin to believe that I have given you, I have already given you everything you need for life and godliness. Amen. Amen. And the more you do that, the more you will begin to reflect increasingly all these characteristics of Christ within you and therefore will bear much fruit because the fruit comes out of our unity with him. Amen? Not what we strive to do and to accomplish but out of our unity with him. And we're making progress We're seeing more and more healings. We're seeing more and more people come to the Lord. Right? That's good progress. It's still addition rather than multiplication, but it's happening. Uh So we've been taking, if you like, little steps of faith like this and seeing more happen. Praise God. But I believe that what he is saying this morning is that we've now reached the point where he can put all these truths before us so we can take one giant step forward. Not just a little step, but a giant step forward. If we believe. If we believe what God has done for us, what God has given us, what we have within us, And what God, by his mercy and grace, can reflect through our lives. So let's all stand and come into the middle. So here's the equation. I love love these scriptural equations. Holiness equals joy plus purity plus love plus faith plus wisdom plus righteousness plus freedom plus peace, plus power, plus glory, plus a whole lot of other good, positive things. Amen? Come on, close your eyes. Begin to worship him. Thank him that he died to make you holy because without holiness no one will see the Lord. Hallelujah.
Thank him that he gave you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. Hallelujah. I think you can sound a little more thankful. Okay, now, for the next few minutes, I want us all to pray and for you to thank God that you have the spirit of joy within you, that you have the spirit of purity within you. And just go through each of these things, thanking the Lord that you have the spirit that is all these qualities within you. Amen? Amen. And why don't you tell him that you want these qualities to be expressed more and more fully in your life? So off you go. Just, just go through them one by one. <laughs>
Okay, so just repeat this confession of faith after me. Holiness is not beyond me. Holiness is within me. All the qualities of God's holiness have been given me by the Holy Spirit who lives within me. What is not holy has no part in my life. It has no place in me and has no claim upon me. God has given me everything I need for life and godliness through his divine power that he has imparted to me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, beloved, if we pray that these qualities, these facets, will be more fully revealed in us, what is going to happen is this. God will not keep correcting you or judging you, criticizing you or condemning you. But you're likely to hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, that was not worthy of me, so it was not worthy of you. He's very gentle in the way in which he moves us into the holiness that he wants to see reflected in our lives. If it's not worthy of him, it's not worthy of us. Things that are not worthy of him are not worthy of his holiness, but then they're not worthy of us because we are his holy people. So we want to have done with everything that is not worthy. Amen. Holiness is wholeness. It's all that is worthy of God because he is holy. So we thank you, Lord, that in your love for us, in your compassion, in your desire to see your will for us being fulfilled through us, you will gently lead us step by step in the way that you want us to go so that increasingly all that takes place in our lives will be worthy of you and therefore worthy of us as your holy children, as those who belong to you. And Lord, I can't speak for anybody else here in this room. I can only speak for myself and say, I want to have done with everything that is not worthy of you or of my place in you in the spacious place of having your presence within me. I don't want anything in my life that is not worthy of you. I want everything, everything, Lord, to be worthy of you. And I praise you because I understand, Lord, that is what it really is to worship, to live a life worthy of you. And I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. So I offer afresh my body to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in your sight. Yes, Lord, even my body is to be holy. Oh, lived in sacrifice, lived to please you, to honor you, to fulfill your divine will and purpose for my life. And I praise you, I bless you, I thank you, Lord. Come on, why don't you just pray from your heart to the Lord. That fresh surrender to him. 
Thank you, Lord, for your promise that the nations will know that you are the Lord when you show yourself holy through your people. Thank you that you are raising up for yourself a holy people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In the midst of this nation where there is such political and social chaos at this time, we thank you that you are raising up a holy people, a holy nation in the midst of this nation. And we give you glory, we give you honor. And thank you, Lord, we don't need to be elected because we've already been elected. We've already been chosen to be those who form, who, who are among that holy people, that holy nation. And we give you glory. We thank you, Lord, for that precious blood, that you are so holy that you are unapproachable and would be unapproachable even for us if it was not for that blood, if it was not for the redemption that you've given us in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that now we can come up the holy mountain. Now we can meet with you. Now we can have face-to-face -face encounters with you. <clears throat> now, Lord, we don't have to be afraid to draw near. But you draw us near in that love. Out of that amazing, amazing love that you have for us. You actually want us to be near. What a transformation, Lord from the old covenant to the new covenant. And we bless you, we praise you, we exalt you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, you don't treat us as we deserve, but you treat us as Jesus deserves, that he is our holiness, that he is our righteousness, that he is our redemption. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. Praise your holy name. Can we just praise the Lord? Come on, let's really praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Palaria letto colosotori, sandaria letto colosotaba. Palaria lezzo colodotari, sandaria letto colosotaba. Basta calaria letto colosotori, letto papaparazandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name, praise your holy name. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.